Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit TobinBrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the show, made possible by the great crew at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. And today, we're joined by an influential Melbourneian, a well-known entrepreneur, but also one of the most committed people to charitable causes in this country. Bill Guest is a former vice president of the Melbourne Football Club, a director of Furniture Giant, the Guest Group, and chairman of Rural Prostate Cancer, a former chair of Fight MND. It seemed only fitting we speak to Bill during King's birthday weekend and another big freezer course at the MCG. Bill, awesome to have you along. Thanks for your time. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. I'm sure I probably sold you short there as well. For the record, what have I missed? I know I've left uh, Ballpark off, which is sacrilegious given they're in the building. What else have I missed? Oh, well, just, you know, very talented, entertaining, great comedian, <laughs> um, all-round good bloke, very popular. Oh, we could go on for hours. We could. We haven't got a lot of time, Sam. So, no, that was a very nice introduction. Thank you. You were also on the board for Australian Prostate Cancer Research and a patron as well, were you not? Yeah, or are you still? the same thing. So, yep. uh, the background of that is... Um, we merged, we've got a prostate cancer centre, which we built in Blackwood Street in North yeah. Melbourne, um, just near the Royal Melbourne Hospital, Peter McCallum Clinic. We merged with the E.J. Whitten Foundation about a year ago, um, and we've still got APC, which is our branded as the Australian Prostate Centre, where we've seen over 30,000 patients, and I, I'll elaborate on that a bit later. Yeah, we're like. going to circle back to that. That is, um, And uh, hence we created this name, Rule, when we joined. With, so that's sort of our retail brand. When I was doing the research for you, I mean, there's a lot of successful business people in Melbourne, um, but not as many who give so much of their energy to charitable causes like you. So the obvious question is, why? Why do you well, do it? Well, it's a good question. Um I think I'm pretty lucky. I was, you know, most people you meet have done all right in life, always were brought up selling newspapers. Parents had no money, you know, they struggled. They had to sell most of which is, a lot of which is crap, to be honest. But uh, I was born in Turak, still live in Turak. I'm pretty lucky, you know, I had my first ensuite when I was two. So <laughs> I've had a pretty uh, reasonably... Uh, uh, lucky life, good upbringing, you know, good parents. Um, so I feel as though it's, I feel a bit obligated. It's good to give back. Yeah. And I've got the personality. I'm not scared to ask people to get off their ass and help. Um, so I'm driven by that. My business balance is pretty good. I've got some time and I sort of have energy and I think it's important for people to, when you're lucky in life, to give a bit back. Big weekend, the King's birthday weekend. Yeah, and the big huge. freeze, yeah, has become an enormous part of the year. And really, in our sporting psyche, of course, but but also the beacon, I think, of everything Aussies do well as a society, and that's coming together to support a, a common cause. Now, in this case, trying to eradicate the beast that is motor neuron yeah. disease, which I couldn't believe. So tomorrow, it's ninth year 
Yeah, I know. It's incredible. Yes. Uh, um, it's been an amazing thing. I've been involved uh, from the start. I've been the inaugural chairman. Um, I relinquished that role to Mike Snyder, who's doing a wonderful job. He's the MD of Bunnings. Mike's um, doing a mighty job. Um, but yeah, it's extraordinary. From the day we sort of dreamt all this up, we had no idea, none, including Neil, that it ended up like this. It's quite extraordinary. The idea for the slide and the ice bath at the bottom, how did it come about? Well, I'd have to give a lot of credit to a guy called Rod Curtis, who's an advertising guy. He helps me on rule and still helps MMD. Um, he actually sort of came up with the concept with a few other guys and it sort of got legs. But the first, Firstly, we thought it was a fairly stupid idea, people sliding down logistically stupid and how would it work? And to Lewis Martin, who been on our board since the start at seven. He embraced the idea and their creative team, Gary and Co, sort of put it all together. When you, So when you see the blue beanies getting around this time of the year and they multiply day upon day, what sort of feeling does it give you, Bill? Oh, it's quite incredible. I mean, you see them everywhere. I'm spoiled. I've, you know, I've seen them in Brooklyn. I've seen them in London. Uh, it's quite extraordinary. Mm. The um, And it's just more and more, if, if you watch TV, People doing things, you know, news services. There's so many people wearing the beanies. And I think you'll see, you know, I'd be quietly confident we'll get 90,000 people plus subject to weather on um, King's birthday. And I reckon you'll see so many beanies it'll be mind-boggling. So so this time every year as well, those of us who don't know Neil Danaher anywhere near as well as what you do, get a look, I guess, at how he's holding up and his yep. state of health. A bloody unbelievable how tough that bugger is. Uh, so for those who are unfamiliar, how far back do you go with Neil Danaher? Oh, well, I was involved um, uh, in the selection panel to appoint Neil as coach, whenever that was. I can't remember how many years 96. ago. So actually I actually interviewed him. story. I went yep. over to Neil was with the... Um, the footy chief of the West Coast Eagles, and I flew over to um, Perth to interview him. There was four of us on the interview panel at Melbourne, and I was sort of doing the personality side of it. Anyway, I flew over to interview Perth. Had a fairly big night the night before, and I was having breakfast with Neil. In fact, I had a shocking hangover. Anyway, Neil marches in in some coffee shop, and I felt like, you know, S-H-I-T. Yeah. Um, and Neil actually interviewed me. It was quite funny when I finished... Uh, Cameron Swallow, I think, was the CEO at the time. He said, that guy? And I said, well, I don't know. I think Neil ended up interviewing me, not the other way around. Anyway, cut a long story. He got the job. I was his footy director for a long time. Uh, we became very close friends and we had a lot of fun. At, you did. And uh, you are. Yeah. Friendship developed from there. Yeah. It was once written, I, I note, that uh, the one hails from a sprawling country farm and one is a Turak Toff. But your yep. differences in background haven't stopped you carving out a remarkable... No, Neil loves that and we're pretty lucky. We have... Uh, we have a lot of laughs together. I keep reminding him he was meant to die five years ago and yep. we've raised all this money. And uh, now we have a lot of good banter and uh, he, en- he enjoys rubbishing me and vice versa. Yeah, so he was diagnosed with MND in 2013. His diagnosis, I think, was made public the following year, 2014. It's been a long war with something that he, he knows he can't beat. So yep. how has he possibly been able to do that? while at the same time being a very public face of it. I yeah. just, I, I marvel at that. No, it's extraordinary. And I do still to this day. I mean, the life expectancy of somebody with vitamin D is about 25 months. So when he got diagnosed, you know, he knows he's smart enough to have read all that. So, but no, no Neil's got an incredible, he's got beliefs too. He's, he believes in things. So he's got strong 
principles as a man, so he's not, I don't think Neil's scared of his fate, ultimately. Uh, but, I mean, that's really up for him to answer. But he's just had a resilient, and he tells this story that when he got diagnosed on the plane from Perth to Melbourne, I think he texted me, another mate of mine, Don McClarty, who probably at the time very close to him that he's got this terrible thing and he'll talk about it when he arrives in Melbourne. And he mentally, from getting on the plane in Perth from the three-and-a-half-hour trip, uh, by the time he got off the plane, he'd, he had a mindset, well, that's it, I'm going to fight this. There's no point in, um, you know, I've got two ways to go. Go home, feel sorry for myself, or fight it. And that's what he's done. But he is, whenever we, whenever I think, and I've got some of my own health battles, and when I think of Neil, it just gives you so much strength to have such a positive, you know, there's no point in So he's a very powerful man, and mm. that expression he uses, which he used to use as a coach, play on. Um, which is one of his great mantras when he was coaching Melbourne Albury. We sometimes played on very badly, I hasten to add, but sometimes very well. But we always played on, and that yeah. was, that's been his sort of motto. People say to me, and I sort of look at them blankly, I say, well, why do you do what you do, Mark? You've got time wellness. Why don't you just take off your bucket list? Enjoy life, we haven't got long left. Why do you do this? What <coughs> keeps you resilient? Why do you persevere? Where do you get the resolve from? And it all comes back to I'm really clear on why. With five MD as you see up there, what drives me is not about me. That's not called the Neil Danaher Foundation. That's called Fight MND. It's about others. The disease will get me, I know. But why I do it is that two or three people will die today while I'm talking to you. And two or three will die tomorrow. And two or three died yesterday. And what drives me is it's curable. This is curable. I can't accept that right now there's no treatment or cure. And that drives me to go, well, what can I do? Might help me, but what can I do that might make it better for others? And I think there's something in that for you guys too. In football, there's an element of self to get the best out of yourself. There's an element of that that's true to everyone. You want to be the best you can be. And there's a continuum of you looking at self. Over there selfish and over there selfless on that line. And nothing great can get done with selfish people. Nothing. So where do you sit on that? And to be great together you have to be over here, selfless. And where that sits with you, you can say whatever you like, but your teammates know by what you do, by what you do. I'm really clear on what drives me. And with that, being resilient and handling adversity and having resolve become second nature. I know I have setbacks, I know I'll get worse, 
And people say, why don't you pick up the bucket list? Why don't you go and just do what you want to do? In a sense, be selfish. That doesn't give me any meaning or purpose. That gives me no drive. What drives me is, how can I help people? There's a saying, when all's said and done, more is said than done. And the mark of a person is not what they say, it's what they do. The question I'm going to leave you with is, well, what are you going to do? The next time you play, what will you do? I'm not interested in it too much. I'm not all that interested in what they say. They're interested in what are you going to do? Good luck, boys. Thank you. So as we sit here in June of 2023, can I ask you how he's going? How's yeah, he he's, uh, look, he can't talk, uh, but he sends me, I could show you my phone, I would get six texts a week, I reckon. Still Paragraphs. sharp as a text? And it's some of it's a summary of the Melbourne games. You know, Viney shouldn't be there and the coach should have done that and I can't believe uh, and others about uh, So he, he, he communicates that in one way. He uses his little finger, but he struggles with that now. So he, modern technology, he uses his eyes on a, um, uh, 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 you know, a type thing where he looks at the numbers on the screen and he just blink and he can do a 10-page email in about five minutes. It's quite extraordinary. It's all by his eyes looking at the letters on the uh, screen. But as far as walking, where Neil's lucky is obviously a stupid term for somebody that's got MMD, but he's kept his legs. Most people with MMD, they go down fairly quickly in the legs and end up in a wheelchair, and that really starts the rot setting in. So he still walks, and he's a stubborn bastard. Yeah. You know, we did the launch in the city of the MM, you know, the Beanies, and I'm walking with Neil. I've got my new shoulder in, and he's bounced out of the blocks like, and I said, for Christ's sake, slow down. He's marching up Collins Street or something like a, he's in the store gift. I, I might be putting you on the spot with this question before we break. The search for a cure, can you educate us to where that at, is oh, at? Look, there's, there's some wonderful research going on. It's difficult. I mean, yep. uh, Alzheimer's. They haven't found front of brain things are very hard, but there are some very positive steps. We're a long way from a cure. I wouldn't pretend to anything else, but I think we're making enormous progress on finding out what causes it, how to slow it, and that's the first step in these sort of disease. So it's a long road, but we're making definitely making some inroads. That's why we need to keep the research mm. up, keep the fund funding going, um, and we'll get there one day. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. We've only scratched the surface with Bill Guest, and there's much, much, much more to come right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's a great pleasure to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. We are with influential Melbourneian businessman and the brains behind the big freeze, Bill Guest. So, Bill, let, let's go back. You mentioned Turak off the top. Born and raised? 
Yes, born and raised. What? Yes. Now, I get a bit towy when I'm driving. If I get to about the corner of Wattle Tree Road and, um, oh, I don't know, sort of uh, Burke Road and stuff, that's where I start to get the shakes. <laughs> you just turn the car around. And, I thought you were going to say that. The homing beacons pulling you back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, did, uh, what did the old do? What did mum and dad do? Uh, my father was uh, second generation in our family business, guest furniture, as we were then. Yep. So he joined the business after the Second World War, after... Um, he says he won all these awards in the war. I'm not sure. I think he exaggerated a little bit about his war career, but that's typical of our family. So he went to the business with my uncle. Uh, our business is over 100 years old. This is the perennial suite, available only from guests' furniture, rested upon by the lord of the manor, Graham Yarrop. <clears throat> Time to arise, my lord. It's so comfortable, I never want to move. It comes in a range of decorated tones with genuine leather arms and cushions. The baronial combination leather lounge from guests. Truly amazing value for under $1,600. They treat you like a guest at guests. Treat you like a guest at guests. My grandfather started our business just after the First World War. Is that JD, yes? Yeah, J- John George. I never JG. met him. He died before I was born. But, uh, so 1918, are we talking? 1919 it was. 1919, yeah. Little Collins Street. Ah, uh, well, and then we are in Stewart Street, Richmond, right. and then we moved. It's a funny story. His wife was very religious and um, a very strict Methodist, um, and he bought, he did a deal with the Methodist Church, and they defaulted. So he actually sued the Methodist Church and with the proceeds bought a building in Little Collins Street. So it's quite ironic. Mm. I don't think his wife ever really forgave him for that. Did you did you have any talent in the sporting sense early doors? Uh, had a lot of talent talking about it. But no, my excuse is my family, my brother, everybody else in the family, very talented in sport. My eldest son is particularly good, Sam. But um, I got hit by a car when I was eight. In hospital for nearly a year. Lost really? My uh, part of my pancreas and spleen. So I've put down, put it down to my car accident that I'm a bit slow. But yeah, and I love footy. I coached a bit of the uh, couple of teams at the OMs after school, and so keen competitor, but fairly shit ass if you're frank about it. Demons fan since forever. Yeah. Oh God, yes. Yep. My father and my grandfather. We're all very, mm. um, very. Um, Entrenched demon supporters, and and obviously the guest groups evolved over time, hasn't it? So freedom acquired it in the in the nineties. What sort of face does it have now? I guess. Well, it's, we we actually um, we're a, we're we're not a street front. We're not a uh, retail no. chain anymore. We actually hire, so we'd have about thirty or forty million dollars worth of furniture out on hire at any given time, and that's to uh, builders. So they do, and it's a long-term hire. We decorate display villages, and uh, it's a great business, actually. So your love, your love for Melbourne became something of a passion project. You're elected to the board in, I want to say, 92. Yeah, that'd were, be about right. You yep. were vice president for several years as well. Yep. Yes, I was actually the MC. I was pretty lucky. I don't think I would have stayed, to be honest. I, in those days, the Melbourne Cricket Club, the MCC, had two representatives on the Melbourne Football Club board. Mm. And I was lucky enough to be one of them. I think Tiger Ridley was the other one at the time. So we couldn't actually get voted off. 
So um, with the only people that point with the MCC committee, and I was pretty friendly with them, so I was sort of fairly secure in my role. Just from what I hear, though, you didn't really have the stomach for the close one as a spectator. I mean, regularly outside with Ian Johnson on the gaspers, weren't you? You yeah. know, while, while the game was on, you'd say, hey, look, I'll be back. I'm just going to the toilet, and you'd be gone for half an hour. No, we. I used to get uh, Southern Stand. I used to go down, lock myself in my car, so I couldn't hear the noise because if you're on the southern stand, there was a roar. You knew it was the opposition kicking a goal because all the Melbourne supporters <laughs> on were the, the other northern side. stand, so I couldn't hear that. I remember a game at Geelong. Scores were level. I was at the president's room and I went to the toilet and kept flushing it And they repeatedly. found you, they found you there after the yeah, game. Yeah, I was sort of bunk it in and I had to wait for things and then flush it again so I couldn't hear the bloody roar of the crowd. One quick story, many, many years ago, can't remember what year it was, Tiger Ridley was the president. We'd flown up. We're playing the Swans, who were pretty shit ass that particular year. We were pretty good. We had G Line and D Swartz and stuff on fire. Anyway, we're obviously meant to win the game. So we, uh, and it was crucial, crucial for us to win to guarantee a spot on the eight. Um, anyway, we sat down. Tui's were our sponsors. So Tiger Ridley and I were in the Tui's box. The Swans kicked the first three goals in about three minutes. So. Tiger with and I said, bugger this, we're out of here. So we went for a massive walk up Oxford Street, smoked, I had about 10 cigars, he had a packet of cigarettes, and we came back. True story about the Tim and a mug of the third quarter. The Swans hadn't scored, and we'd kicked about 12, 14 goals to nothing. Right. I think D. Swartz or G. Lyon, one of them kicked nine or 10 goals. So, yeah, I used to give her, and lose a lot of weight pre game. A lot of uh, it was a lot of emotion. It was a lot of emotion in footy, different from a business. I mean, you, you couldn't have had much more emotion in and around a footy club than the mid nineties around around what was Melbourne, because we could easily be watching the Melbourne Hawks play Collingwood yep. King's Birthday Monday. The failed merger in the end between Melbourne and Hawthorne was a an enormous football story, Bill, in ninety six. So when it's raised, what's your foremost thought all these years on as someone who was you know actively involved as vice? Yeah, president? I've thought about that a lot, and I mean at the time. We had these. It was we thought it was a very good idea for Melbourne because there was lots of pluses for that. But in with the benefit of hindsight, the thing we totally underestimated was emotion in sport. In Melbourne, there have been extraordinary scenes at tonight's historic vote on the future of both the Melbourne and the Hawthorne football clubs. Emotions have spilled over at both meetings, where members are being asked to decide if the clubs should merge. No merger. These are passionate football supporters, even by Melbourne standards. And the Melbourne board members who want to merge with Hawthorne found themselves the villains of the piece. After thousands of supporters squeezed in, the lobbying began. I beseech you and implore you, give us the chance to build Melbourne's the demons once again. Your suggestions matter, your involvement matters, your passion matters and you matter. The Melbourne Hawks is not the Melbourne Football Club, nor will it ever be. Emotions also ran high at the Hawthorne camp. Anti-merger forces took control of the meeting. After a half hour delay, anti-merger leader and former club great Don Scott took several minutes to calm the big crowd. But the strongest feelings were aired by former Hawthorne Premiership coach, Alan Jeans. For 10 years, 10 years, I've been telling you this was going to happen. So it was a fairly stupid decision when I look back on it. I wish we'd never done it. I certainly would never do it again. Uh, but in good faith, we all thought it was the right thing to do. And it turned out, I don't think it was the right thing to do. But 
you convince yourself on these things, but the emotion of people and sport, I mean, it's pretty terrifying. Mm. I had to have a guard outside the house. I remember the night in Dallas Brooks Hall. Yeah. <laughs> my father and uncle went, and there was, I don't know how many people at the damn hall takes 5,000. They all had these kill Bill signs, and uh, so Dad and Uncle decided, I think we'll be Bill's uncle and father. We'll just go a bit low-key here tonight. We might get killed. And then I remember that we had this PR guy, he was briefed us before we went on the stage and um, Ian Ridley got up there and Tiger was a very tough, nuggety little bloke. And, and he's, anyway, this PR guy said, Bill, they're really going to bag you, yeah. so don't say anything. Just sit there, cop it on the chin. Anyway, so you can imagine me. So out we go. They all boo me. So straight away I'm up on the microphone. Tell them, well, you can all go and get stuffed. And anyway, so it didn't quite work <laughs> out. But look, I wish we hadn't done it. Um but that's life, and it was, um, you know, I mean, Hawthorne won four premierships. You take off, where's the brown? You take off a little bit of gold. <laughs> what have you got? A Velcro Hawk and a Melvin Guernsey. We rebuilt yeah. the Hawthorne Football Club, <laughs> yes. to be honest. It wasn't Don Scott's Operation Payback. It no, was it was a black sheep bloke called Ian Dicker who's never, ever, mm. ever got the publicity he deserves for what he did for Hawthorne. He was a remarkable man, still is a remarkable man, and they never saw, everybody seems to have, Jeff Kennett, they all seem to have forgotten about Ian Dicker. He was incredible how he re- rebuilt that club because they were really on there. When the merge was on, Hawthorne were completely stuffed. Yeah. No money, they were in the... I won't go into their salary cap breaches, but, but they are in a terrible mess. So, Bill, they obviously voted overwhelmingly against it. Now, yep. you had a slight majority for it, but I remember... Yeah, okay, don't bring this up. No, so no, no, I just, bit, yeah. I just want to ask you about the proxy votes because they yep. were at the centre of a lot of the controversy, weren't they? Now, I they think were. you've admitted this at the time, that um, your staff <laughs> submitted proxy votes before the cutoff just so they could vote in favour well, of Well, I, th- I think by sheer, you know, very loyal staff... I think a lot of them d- decided to join the Melbourne Football Club, uh, which is very good of them. I'm forever grateful for their... Just uh, right then and there. Yeah, right then and there. Coincidental timing. And then I went, another quick funny story, There's in the old days, the age was up in Spencer Street, and the papers obviously went online then, so to get the newspaper, if you really wanted it, you'd go to the age office or the Herald Sun, you know, in Flinders Street and get it as it came. They had a little window. Anyway, this particular night, I've gone up to the age office with a mate and the woman's there said, what are you here for? And she said, why do you ask? And she said, well, there's only two types of people that normally come here at this time of night to read the paper. And I said, what? And she said, they're crooks to check their names not in the paper and lawyers to check their name is in the paper. And uh, anyway, I got the paper and my mate grabbed it and he said, well, well done, Bill, you've made front page headline and back page headline. So I, I sort of cornered the paper. Now, speaking of papers, didn't a prominent female journalist who's still around, mind you, call you a haberdashery salesman, something yeah, that your I, mate's still I, happy to throw no, up? No, that's Caro, yeah. uh, who is a haberdashery salesman. lifetime friend. Uh, yes, Caroline uh, called me a, I think there was actually a furniture merchant or something like that, but it, um, <laughs> she accused me of being, oh, anyway, but um, yep. we go back a long way, Carol and I. In September 1996 at the Dallas Brooks Hall, emotions overflowed and friendships were shattered as the Demons voted under Chairman Ian Ridley to merge with Hawthorne. And we 
will not want to go to Glenferry Oval with their mediocre facilities. We want the best in the AFL. That's what we want. The Melbourne Hawks vote proved football is a religion in Victoria. Ridley and his disciples exercising the demon from 52% of the members. All you board members that had the bloody courage to recommend this, get on your feet! Get on your feet! Get on your feet! You mentioned Ian Ridley. I mean, in all seriousness, was the vote the beginning of the end for him? I mean, he was obviously pro-merger, and that was a recommendation at the time. You you were close to him. You know, he was obviously, like you, booed, abused by the anti-merger crowd. Did he ever really recover? No, from he it? was I, – I would say the two greatest people I've met in my life are Neil Danaher and Ian Ridley. Ian Ridley's integrity, decency, love for the Melbourne football. You know, he was coach, president, great player – so committed, and I'm not entirely convinced. I think we all got caught up in this mm. merger thing, but there is no question in my mind that led to Ian's. He was just shattered, as were a few very well-known people at Hawthorne too, by the way. Um, a lot of really great football people got really badly destroyed and all that, and um, that's, again, the emotional sport. And, they, and I don't think... They were ever, anybody was doing it for the wrong way. They all thought they were doing it for the right reasons. It was said that on that night that his wife Jude was actually rushed rushed to hospital. Yep. on the on the day or the night yeah. of the question. No, it was so stressful. Yeah, and uh, no, I don't think he ever recovered. And Ian was a shocking smoker. So those people learned not to smoke. That didn't do him much mm. good either. Cra- just crazy times. I mean, those general meetings for both clubs were so packed, weren't they? They spilled yep. outside, and there were monitors outside for better yep. what. Yeah, the whole thing was just a. Shit show. Yeah. So it was a shocking night. Yep. Anyway. anyway, everyone's lived happily ever yes, after. Yes, we've all lived happily ever after, luckily. Yeah. Well, we're with the entrepreneur Bill Guest on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Cancer and how it touched Bill and what he did about it is after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. We're with a man of vision, the former Demons Vice President, former Fight MND Chair, and now the Head of Rural Prostate Cancer, Bill Guest. So, Bill, the stats are this. One in five Australian men will get prostate cancer. Yes. Something like, I think, 50 a day will be diagnosed with it. Yes. You were one of them about yes. a decade ago. Yep. Can you take us back to what I'm sure was a very, very difficult time? Yeah, no, it's, um, it was obviously, and it still is, unfortunately. Um, yes, yeah, so I got diagnosed about a decade ago, which is young comparatively for uh, prostate cancer, although that statistic's changing dramatically. So I'm in touch with a lot of people and a couple of, Actually, well-known ex-AFL players have got it and they're in their early 40s. So it's a bit scary, the demographic of that. But, yeah, and I got diagnosed and I was um, uh, a fellow called Daniel Moon, who's a very prominent urologist, looked after me, mad Melbourne supporter, which was a lucky coincidence. Uh, I'd have my prostate out. Unfortunately, um, in most cases, if it's detected early, which is what rule's all about, which we'll touch on in a minute, but in most cases, if you have it out early, you're pretty well you're going to be okay. But in some cases, like in mine, a bit sneaks out. After they take it out, they find it's already escaped 
So it's sort of, I'm lucky in one way, it's very slow progressing, but I've had quite a couple of fairly significant doses of radiation. They've just found a bit more cancer a couple of weeks ago. Um, Unfortunately, these ones can't be, uh, I can't use radiation because it's a bit close to my kidneys, but it's very slow. So we just, um, and there's the research we do and people are doing in the world, you know, we just prolong it and um, hopefully I'll be sitting here with you, Sam, uh, watching Melbourne beat Carlton <laughs> a premiership in well, 20 years' time. For your sake, I hope that is the case. But it is a battle and it yeah. does mentally, but you just get on with things and don't worry about it and, you know. This, this is the biggest cancer for men and yet, I, I don't know, are, are we too casual about it? No, it's shocking. It's, it actually kills uh, four times more men than women with breast cancer and it's not... <laughs> Obviously, because breast cancer is such a wonderful job and raising money, getting government funding. And men, we're just stateless. We don't get much funding. With It's a constant battle in our clinic. You know, as we've seen over 30,000 men. And the ironical thing, by because of bulk billing, because that's our mantra, is to help people that can't afford to go to a top flight urologist, etc. It actually costs you money. You actually lose money almost per patient because of the, the system. So it's a never-ending battle to raise money. But anyway, look, it's wonderful work what we do and there is no question we've saved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives. Now, so for that, you feel terrific. Yeah, As you should. So you're referring to the Australian Prostate Cancer Centre in North Melbourne. Yep. So that's a, for those who are unfamiliar, I haven't heard about it, it's a world first, the first specialist clinic for prostate cancer. It's your creation, Bill. So in typical style, you don't just think, oh, woe is me, I've been diagnosed and, and look, I, I might be somewhat out the other side and I'm never going to pretend it happened. You look to do something about it. Yes, well, um, a friend of a dear... A friend of mine now, Tony Costello, Professor Costello, and I, who I got to know during this early journey, um, he'd cooked up this idea about a clinic. So it, um, I invited about a hundred people to my house for dinner in Turak. Um, so I had the room, and actually, now we fitted them. You know, about eighty people came, and I charged them all six thousand dollars each to come for dinner. Eddie Maguire actually emceed it for me, and Vince Sorrenti. Very funny comedian. Yes. I've forgotten how funny bit fruity, he was. Bit fruity. A bit fruity. I don't think he'd get away with a lot of that today, to be honest. <laughs> no. But anyway, I think his time might have passed him by, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. Anyway, we raised about, and through donations out of that dinner, about 800 grand, which is a pretty good dinner. Oh. And this is a lot of years ago. And then with the help of the unions, we had this facility, which we've now built the unions unbelievable we're talking millions so they came in after hours during the weekend did the plastering the lighting did all that for nothing the plumbers union um, and we built this clinic it sort of cost us nothing really and it's state-of-the-art uh, we've got gym we've got psychologists we've got uh, obviously urologists we've got nurses um, it's an extraordinary facility and, and, and nobody turned away so open to the public economic status here wealth irrelevant but totally irrelevant. I mean, we'd we'd love people with wealth to come in and obviously pay for a treatment. So we don't discourage that, but that's not our mantra. Mm. And the problem, it's not just with prostate cancer in the public health system. The waiting list for something like prostate cancer can be up to a year before you even see anybody in an hospital. And then it could be another six months before they get you into nice. a... So by the time that's all done, you're 
you know, the horse has bolted probably. So it's you're, out of the stalls already. Yeah. So your centre provides the diagnosis, the treatment, and the research by the, this team yeah. of specialists you've got there. And is there no government? So no government. Fund? Well, you haven't. Uh, you know, I'm a great supporter of the state government. Um, so I don't want to put anybody. And we'd love some funding. Um, and we're working on that. Um, but at the moment, no, it's all we have events. We had a lunch at Epicurean down at Red Hill. They put on a lunch every year. And we raised 400000 there. That was Melbourne Racing did one for us yeah. at uh, Crown Palladium a few weeks ago. 800 people, black tie. We raised about 350000 there. So you constantly have to do these yeah, things, don't you? it's never though? ending. Yeah. So it does your head in a bit, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. So hopefully some funding not too yeah. far away. There I mean, might be somebody listening here. There might be. That's why I ask. A, could be sort of a... An Australian version of Bill Gates is thinking, God, let's just bloody give this bloke a couple of million and we can all move on. Or Bill himself. I know yeah, he's no, a, a fan yeah. of This Is Your Journey, so he's yeah. probably listening. Yeah. So the obvious message is to, to, as you would say, get off your ass and get to yeah. your GP and or get to your centre and get yourself tested. And hence the name Rule. So the Rule is our retail brand and it's the sort of it's the hidden message of Rule is to, yeah, is, you know, rule it. And we've created this thing in Father's Day this year having the National Legends Day. So we're saying to kids, fathers, go and get your father. Your father is your real legend or your uncle. Uh, and there's sporting legends. We obviously know that. But the, the concept of this is to, if you want your dad to talk at your wedding or whatever, tell him to go to the bloody doctor and get mm. a test. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with the remarkable Bill Guest after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers, a family-owned business since 1934. We're joined today by one of the good guys. He certainly makes things happen. It's Bill Guest. So, Bill, just on that, your energy, what you've done, what you do. I mean, I can see it in you now as your city. Where does the energy for all this stuff come from, this endless reservoir you have? Well, I think I've probably, what's that thing called, AD? HD? Uh, whatever you call it. I'm not very good. I'm slightly dyslectic, actually. I was diagnosed with that when I was there. So I think if I probably would have been diagnosed with that many years ago, it's too late to worry about it now. So I think that's got a little bit to do with it. My friends think I might have some of that in me, possibly. Um, but look, I'm just, yeah, I love living life and getting on with things. And uh, I'm a bit of a nut at home. I like everything to happen. I'm not very good at things not happening. So I like it all to be... Uh, just so. Just so, yeah, I get a bit stressed if things aren't going right. And same at work. I like it all. Well, I don't like hiccups. If you've had an ensuite since you're two years of age, then that's what happens. I imagine the toilet not flushing or something. (laughs) You do strike, you touched on this, but you strike me as a very convincing fella. So not many would just roll over and give you what you want when you want it. So how much convincing, cajoling, encouraging and persuading have you done in your time and have you got a strategy when it comes to convincing the top end of town to get behind something? Oh, look, I yeah, well, I don't know about a strategy. It's probably the wrong word. But, I yeah, I'm good at persuading people. I'm not scared to ask people. And I think if you target, not target, again, that's the wrong word. My friends have been fantastic. They're sick of me ringing, I think. It's sort of never be thinking, oh, shit, another call about some other bloody event I've got to go to. 
and put my hand in my pocket. Uh, but, yeah, I think you target the right people, and most people are very good when they understand what you're doing. Australians, by nature, are very generous. There are some – I don't know the stats, but there are some stats. I think Australia is one of the most generous countries on earth when it comes to contributing to um, – Charities, I remember I used to be many years ago on the board of Care Australia um, and I was on the board when the tsunami hit in um, Thailand, etc. And we raised, Malcolm Fraser was the chairman at the time, and we raised millions of dollars. And I remember looking at the analysis and the, most of the big donations were surprisingly from middle class families. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah. So yeah, people are very generous. So it's just trying to pick the right market, you know, ask the, ask the right way with respect and people don't want to do it. They don't have to do yeah. it. But, and then I'm not bad on my feet, you know. You get up there and make a bit of an passionate plea at uh, things and say, look, you know, get off your backside and no such thing as a free lunch or a free dinner or a free whatever. So you pick up the phone and ring anyone. I mean, you mentioned the unions as far as the prostate centre is concerned. So you just pick up the phone yeah, and well, Johnny, Johnny Secker and say... We do, we do a lot with the unions. They've been terrific. We have a bus, which we go out to all the building sites. We did all the COVID uh, injections uh, with the, on the building sites during COVID with our bus. So they've been fantastic supporters. And, yeah, no, we get on well with all those guys. They're terrific. So do you take no for an answer? Or? I'm not good at it, No. But I mean, there's some reasons why, yes, you've got to. But as I said, it's picking your targets, the key. What are you seeing in your demons this year? Well, it's interesting. We we all thought at the start of the year that this is good because we're a little bit slow out of the blocks. If you remember last year, we were 10 straight. um, And we won the previous eight before that, last season before. So we thought, oh, this is all quite good. We're just pacing ourselves. Look, we're, we have got a great team. There's no question we've got a very good list. It's indisputable. So hopefully we are just going to work our way into the season. So how often would you get – do you go every week? I go every week. I don't – I used to – I go to most – not all, every interstate game, but, yeah, I go every week and this is, you know, the legitimate reason I can't. So have you got any better at watching the close ones or are you still – No, I still hope. Scores are level the 20-minute mark. I'll be out the back somewhere um, well and really hidden having a – Sav Blanc or something, trying to just ignore it because I get too – it just does my head in. I get too stressed. I might leave the, never leave the game, by the way, Sam, ever. You just come back. I think back. you just hinted you might have left a couple of cards. Oh, I was, I was more questioning how you could possibly have an issue with that given you go missing for two Yeah, but I, go, I always come oh, back always after come back. I go missing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm if you see there. the final five seconds, having yeah. seen 90% of the game – Well, I right. do check, so if we're winning – Oh, you're back. I straight out there, right <laughs> – Front and centre, screaming, cheering. You might be on something. You might be on something there. Anyway, what's the plan for King's Birthday Monday, and what, what will Neil be doing? Ah, uh, Neil, it's uh, Neil will be up there. Um, he probably won't, he might come to the lunch. I mean, Neil goes to every Melbourne game still, uh, so he'll be certainly at the G. All his family, as you know, there's incredible. Uh, I can't tell you how many. Beck does a great. Uh, Beck does a great job. Yeah, though. Beck's been outstanding yeah. in following in Neil's footsteps, and we'll have about eighty-seven Danahers at the lunch because Neil's one of eleven. They're freaking everywhere. The Danahers, <laughs> some of which have actually become Melbourne supporters. Surprisingly, I think it's upset a few of the <laughs> hardcore Danaher Essendon side of the family, but that's a bit of fun. Uh, so Neil will be there. Uh, Beck will obviously help him on the stage. Be fantastic.
It's a great event. It's a great day. Hey, Bill, thanks so much for joining us today. I mean, I'm in awe of what you've done and what you continue well, I think to that's do. That's an exaggeration, no, Sam, but that's very kind of you. What's not an exaggeration, though, is to say that you've helped raise millions of dollars to extremely notable causes and save thousands of lives. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure there's anything more noble in life. Hey, you're a legend. It's been great to talk to you this afternoon. Thanks, Sam. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey. It's for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.